The advice in this podcast is for general information only. Not all tax scenarios are the same. It is recommended to seek guidance from a certified public accountant or tax professional. Welcome to the Sacramento Media Center podcast. It's another new year and I'm here with my my good colleague and probably the best Wonder Woman character player as well as a true warrior, April Potter. Hello, April. Good day. Always good to see you, John. It's been many years that we've known each other and have been able to do lots of different projects. And this is one of them is the podcast for Sac Media Center. My favorite thing. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, our podcast may not have the huge numbers, but we do get listeners and we do get responses. So that's only because there's we don't market them. We just do them. We just do them. <laughs> great exercise <laughs> well we are fortunate to talk about because this is january and you know it may sound boring but tax season is a ways but we still have to do things even now we should prepare even for this year one of the experts that we just love having join us on the show is holly morton hello holly how are you hi john i'm wonderful thanks now holly you are a bookkeeper right but you have many clients I am, yes. Uh, I'm a bookkeeper locally here. I have about 15 small business clients that I work with on a regular basis and a few others that I do more project-based work for, cleaning up books, helping them prepare or uh, do you know, a year's worth of bookkeeping, hypothetically, if anybody is ever panicking in January. <laughs> it's not an uncommon occurrence. Oh, I um, So yeah, that's what I do. So really, you kind of help the person who's maybe already started their work in QuickBooks, but they need some help um, yes. categorizing. Is that correct? It is a lot of it. Yeah, it's not uncommon for somebody to give me access to a file and all of a sudden I'm looking and there's 500 transactions for the year that need to be categorized dating all the way from January through present. And uh, so it's fun to get to delve in and and get all that taken care of. Or I guess I should say it's fun as long as everybody has their documentation in order. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you, you bring up a good point, categorizing, because for us self-employed people or gig workers or solopreneurs, um, when we receive money that the IRS needs to know, hey, how much did you make? We're given the option to minimize our tax liability, meaning how much we owe, based mm -hmm. on what we use as expenses. And categorizing these things are very crucial. Uh, yeah. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's like, oops, that may that may start a red flag. Like, how much travel did you really do? And really, should you call it travel uh, yeah. or or meals or something like that? That can get that can start some red flags, couldn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, it is very critical to categorize things correctly. And, you know, you brought up a couple of really hot button items. Travel is one of those things that gets frequently flagged if it seems exceptionally high based on your overall income, because a lot of small business owners will take the opportunity and the fact that they do have a business to write off trips that maybe were more family trips as opposed to business trips or something like that. And, you know, there is flexibility in being a small business owner where you do get to take some write-offs, but you have to be sure that you're being as above board as humanly possible about the whole thing. Receipts and everything and uh, exactly what you use for, for travel and what's not. Correct. Correct. So if you were to go somewhere, um, it would be wonderful if you had all of your receipts printed out. And if you were to write on there, you know, say that you went to LA for a project as a gig worker, right? And you had your hotel for the week and you had your meals, you would want to compile all of those receipts and write on there what you were there for. 
What's really wonderful about that is if you're documenting all of it in real time, even if you're not doing it in a software, but if you at least have all of your receipts and you've written on them what you were doing, at the end of the year, any, any bookkeeper or even you yourself could go in and know exactly what you were up to and classify it correctly to get you that maximum deduction when all is said and done. Well, this brings up a great comment that April made on our last tax podcast. April, I think, didn't you mention that? I don't know. Well, let's, let's, I'll, I'll tell you this. <laughs> well, what did one. I say? <laughs> yeah. April <laughs> mentioned, hey, what if I went ahead and photographed it on my phone, the receipt? Yes. That's a great idea. Yes, that's absolutely incredible. I have a question. You, you have mentioned a few times the QuickBooks. Do you think that or recommend people should have a program that they're putting their information into as opposed to just like waiting at the end with an envelope with all of the receipts in it and, you know, doing, (laughs) doing it that way, you know, how, you know, what is, what is the practice you think that people should get into even just to start, you know, cause you could say save it, but you're like, and then what? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And I do definitely have clients who bring me the accordion files or the shoebox or whatever it happens to be, right? (laughs) Insert whatever. I actually have one client where it's just a shelf in his office, like it's a cabinet. And I go in and I open it up and there's just a pile of stuff (laughs) sitting there for me to go through. Each their own, right? It works. It works for, you know, different, different. That's the day you really wear like face gear so you don't get all the papers in your face. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but I do highly recommend having some kind of accounting software. You know, it's, I personally have used QuickBooks for years. I used QuickBooks back when it was still only desktop format. Um, I'm only a recent QuickBooks online convert. And I will tell you what, the way that they got me was actually with the bank feed integrations, right? Right. Where all of that information is flowing over in real time. So even if you're not able to sit down and look at it on a consistent basis, let's say you sit down and look at it once a month or even once every other month. Mm-hmm. At least when you have an accounting software, and it doesn't have to be QuickBooks, don't mistake me. That's that's my preferred method. Well, I've but, heard that mentioned quite often, um, and it seems to be like just across the board, that's the one that is mostly used If I, if I from what yes. from the conversations I've had with people. Yes, QuickBooks okay. has become the industry standard, but there okay. are others. There's Xero, there's Wave, you know, okay. they'll all accomplish the same thing at the end of the day. But for accessibility, QuickBooks happens to be a really great one because a lot of CPAs and accountants and bookkeepers are well-versed in it, right? So it just makes everything easier. Now, the nice thing about these softwares is that because they have that bank feed, let's say you don't get in for 90 days. Well, it's still going to be pulling all that information from your bank, from your credit card in real time. So this is a bank integration where your bank account is connected to your online accounting. So you really yeah. don't have to do, you should do it, but they do kind of, they do most of the work when it comes to balancing your checkbook and expenses or, or input or deposits. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. The software will kind of do the heavy lifting for you. And it's really wonderful, especially if you actively invoice people for work that you do, 
because they can handle the merchant processing. You don't have to get a third party involved for that. And it often will then take care of your AP and AR. So if you receive a payment, it tries to match it with the correct invoice, which is really wonderful. And, you know, I personally use that. It just streamlines the process so much. I don't have to spend a lot of time doing my own bookkeeping, which is great because apparently plenty of people could use my help. (laughs) <laughs> so it's lightning speed now. When if you go in that, if you go that route, with that. absolutely, absolutely. I would say that you know, on my own bookkeeping, because I do have a relatively low number of clients, it's more you know work per person. My bookkeeping maybe takes me an hour and a half or two per month. And that means that I then have those reports in real time. I can see how I'm doing. I can adjust. You know, I can say, oh. Don't buy another new computer. You've already bought three this year. Calm down. <laughs> you know, or conversely, even, you know, if if you're looking at purchasing equipment or doing something like that, if you have your books in real time and yes. you get to the last few months of the year and go, gosh, I, I made a lot more than I thought I was going to. There's this piece of equipment that I've really had my eye on that I haven't been able to justify. Right. You know, maybe I do now. Maybe I right. spend that money and make it happen. And so, and then of course that kind of brings us into, you know, the whole purchasing of assets and whatnot. Right. If you, if you do purchase an asset, just remember, you might not get to write the whole thing off during the current tax year, depending on what you purchase, you may have to depreciate it over a number of years, but if you have the cash resources, sometimes that can be a much better investment. Yes, April and I were talking about our previous podcast. The enrolled agent, Deanna, was giving us some really good comments about 1099s and when you need to send them out, when you need to include them and, and who you send them to. That podcast is actually still current, even though it's two years old. So we highly recommend anyone who's listening to this now, you might want to go back and listen to the one we did back in two Januarys ago. But here's a new change now, because at the time when we, for instance, I don't know how you get paid, Holly, uh, whether you get paid by check or if people send you Venmo or PayPal. But when I send my people who does lighting or someone who's doing makeup, even a sound audio engineer works for me maybe three times out of the year, I pay them PayPal or Venmo. And because of that, I do not have to send them a 1099. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. So in that instance, as long as you're paying them via a third party like Venmo, um, I believe Cash App also does that. Mm -hmm. Um, I know there are a few others, but basically you're transferring the liability of creating that 1099 onto that company. So it's kind of nice. It kind of saves you at the end of the day. But if you are paying via check, then yes, you would be liable for sending that 1099 to somebody by the end of January. Check or cash. Check or cash. That's correct. And the limit is it's got to be $600. Anything over $600, mm-hmm. you need to report that. With yes, check anything or cash. over $600. Now, one thing to keep in mind is that if somebody does employee work for you and also does gig work for you, mm-hmm. any reimbursements that you give to them would not be part of that $600 figure, right? So let's say that you have a a gig worker who comes in and um, you ask them to pick up, I don't know, food for everybody on the way in for the day, right? Right. And they provide you that receipt and you reimburse them that receipt amount plus whatever you owed them for the work that they did. You would only declare on their 1099 the amount that you paid them for their work. It's for the service performed, not for any tangible goods. Right. If someone sold me, for instance, uh, plates with, with monograms on them, uh, that's, that's a product. We don't send 1099s for that either. Uh, Correct. 
Well, now this is interesting because as we understood it back then, uh, the PayPal's, the the Venmo's, even the credit card companies, they would send a 1099 to the payee, but their limit was if it hits $20,000. That's different now, isn't it, this year? <laughs> yes, it absolutely is. If you went over that $600 threshold for services income, you're going to receive a 1099. From PayPal or Venmo? From or PayPal or Venmo or Cash App or pick your poison. So if we have some gig workers who's listening to this, and I have a few friends who look at this, oh, IRS is going to get more information about me, even if I don't do more than 10000 a year as a gig worker, you got to report that. And now uh, this might be your first time. <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people. You should be doing it anyway. They're going to have to start filling out Schedule C's, aren't they? Now, are they hard to do? No, Schedule C's are really pretty straightforward. Um, I actually find Schedule C's to be more straightforward than itemizing on your tax return, which mm. some oh. people still do, not very many. <laughs> Once that standard deduction went up over 12000 it wasn't worth it for most people to itemize anymore. So. But the Schedule C is, it, it's very straightforward. Basically, you put your income up at the top of the form, and you know, there's a spot where you can put 1099 income versus other income, right? right. Because as, as a sole proprietor, you could possibly have one client that pays you $500 for the year and that's it. Right. And then you wouldn't get a 1099 from them, right? So you have 1099 income and other income sources. And then you just itemize out all of your expenses. Now, one thing that I would recommend if you are new to doing a Schedule C if you haven't done one in the past. And if you mm -hmm. don't have an accounting software yet, go online. You can pull up an IRS Schedule C form. You can just see what the blank form looks like. And that can kind of help advise you on how to classify things. Mm -hmm. Because some of the items on the Schedule C don't directly translate to an accounting software. True. Right. So there are, you know, for example, one of the common ones in, in QuickBooks is that they have office supplies and software, and then they have a separate line item for job supplies. Right. right. Well, sometimes that's not the case on the Schedule C. So then do you end up combining those two numbers? What do you what do you do with that information? Right. And if you have a good tax preparer or a good CPA, they're going to be able to get that sorted out for you. Interesting. But if you're going to do it yourself, you might just want to look, see what the categories are, and make sure that you're naming things appropriately. And be consistent year after year, because if you have something way out in the next year, that mm -hmm. could start a flag there, too. Uh, yes. IRS just wants one thing. They just want to know, hey, what did you spend? And we just want to know your numbers. That's pretty much it. Correct. Um, are they out to get us? They're not out to get us, are they? <laughs> it feels like no. Contrary to popular belief, the right. IRS does not exist to make our lives more difficult. They manage it a lot of the time, but that's not their primary goal. <laughs> true, true. They, they um, just want to know, right? They they want to know, and they want they do want to see consistency, right? right. And and. They don't require it, but if there is an inconsistency, you do want to be able to justify it, right? So exactly. for example, these last few years, people have seen, a, some people, not everybody, but some people have seen a drop in their income because of the effects of COVID or other right. things, right? So if you have a drop in your income, but your expenses remained relatively the same, you know, do you have all the documentation to support that? And if so, you're going to be just fine, right? right? But if all of a sudden, you know, your expenses went way, way, way up, you know, I've had it where 
clients, um, clients payroll, for example, one month to the next would double. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if that happens to be because they were closed due to COVID and then all of your employees came back. So one month to the next, your payroll really did double. Great. We have all the documentation. We can justify that. That's totally fine. Where it becomes a concern is if all of a sudden, you know, that that one travel category, that pesky (laughs) one where we like to take a little (laughs) bit of advantage, that all of a sudden doubles or triples and you don't have the revenue to support that. There are going to be some questions. That makes sense. And and as you mentioned, I think uh, as I understand it, when they're when they're inquiring, it's usually a letter, and they're just asking questions. Hey, just clarify this. Uh, yes. Didn't you have that yourself one time where they sent you a letter? I did. I did actually. Um, so I back. This was a number of years ago. I received a, a letter on my personal tax return. And the IRS basically sent me this letter and it's not a threatening letter, or at least it shouldn't be. But as soon as you see the IRS seal on the top, it's, it's scary. Mm -hmm. And uh, they basically told me that I owed them $1,200. And that was at a time when $1,200 was a lot of money. You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't have it in the bank. And so I did, I panicked quite a bit. Didn't deal with it that evening. I may or may not have had a couple drinks and sent myself straight to bed. <laughs> and uh, and then the next morning I woke up and I started thinking about it logically. And, you know, they had several points that where they were contending my personal tax return. And I wrote them back a letter. Just me, myself, wrote them back a letter. Okay. And I just went line by line through the whole report and said, yep, here's where you were right, but here's where you're wrong. Right. <laughs> And at the end of the day, they owed me $125. <laughs> so that was a that was a day well spent. <laughs> Our, uh, it's funny because we were talking about on the last tax podcast we did, we we're talking about, well, you get a letter that says you owe $20,000. In reality, they're saying, this is all we know. We don't know what your expenses are. So you got to tell us what your liabilities correct. were, meaning what it cost you. So we can give you the correct number. And it's usually never that high. <laughs> correct. Correct. That's very common. They they just send the letters out based on the information that they see. Right. So let's say that you are a gig worker and you received 1099s from multiple different people totaling $20,000, but you didn't declare that income on your taxes they're going to see the 1099s because the IRS gets the 1099s and they're going to go, wait a second, we don't see this money here, right? Well, odds Mm -hmm. on, you didn't actually make $20,000 because you had costs as a business owner associated with earning that money. So you need to make sure that you are doing your due diligence and keeping those receipts and, (laughs) uh, and getting it figured out because you can put things against that income. So maybe that $20,000 is really only five at the end of the day. I mean, goodness, I hope it's more. Right. Cause you have $15,000 <laughs> of expenses. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. I hope, I hope for everybody's sake that it's more, but more, you never know. <laughs> Cost of doing business. That's true. Yes. We're going to get into more uh, nitty gritty here. I received uh, a loan and I, and we both got grants. Is yes. that correct? Yes. Uh-huh. What do we go ahead? Do we have a question on that? Well, there, I mean, the small business loans, you know, that were this last year. So both of us were recipients of that. Um, I know I, I had just received one. I don't know the different formats of different things. Maybe you received, John. Um, but I know that that's something I've never had to deal with before. I was super excited to receive it. And, um, you know, that was a process of just even going out for that, you know, it was nerve wracking. And then you get it and then you're like, but now what, what how, how do I account for that? Because you don't have to pay it back, but you do have to account for it. So when you don't have to pay it back, that means it's a grant, right? Not a loan. 
You oh, yeah. Grant. The grant. I got a grant. I did yes. not get a loan. Excuse me. I got yes. a grant and a loan. That's why I, I thought you got something a little bit different. I like did, you had two different like ones. Yeah. yeah, I was grant only, but I don't know even, you know, to how to approach that for myself. Well, and, and just to go and throw a wrench in things and make things slightly more complicated. They Thank have, you. I, know, I, know. <laughs> I love that. Um, yes. So there were grants, there were loans, basically, you know, governments at every level, federal, state, um, you know, even some counties were trying to get money into the hands of small business owners over the last couple of years, right? Which was fantastic because it allowed a lot of people who may otherwise have really suffered as a result of the pandemic or even gone out of business. It allowed them to keep their doors open and to continue to function. Yep. Now, here's where it gets fun. They titled them all different things. So people got grants, people got SBA loans, and people got payroll protection plan. The PPP. Well, right. PPP, right? right? But the payroll protection plan was technically intended to be a loan originally when it was rolled out. Don't get me wrong, everybody who's worked in this industry has whiplash from the, <laughs> the changes that have been going on. You know, it was every five minutes, as, the fast, as fast as you could learn it, that was how fast they were changing it. Oh, I bet. And yes. there is still a certain amount of that. And especially here in California, you know, the way that the federal government is approaching this is entirely different from how the state is approaching this. So, you know, basically at the end of the day, you want to have all of your documents in line, right? And I've spoken to several CPAs about how they want to see these things recorded, right? Right, right? Now, first and foremost, what they have all said is that the best thing to do is to make sure that whenever you receive this money, right? So let's say you receive a grant, make sure that that is a different line item on your profit and loss, right? Don't lump it in with your regular income. Put okay. it somewhere else. But as and income, it can though. be under your main income um, portion of your balance sheet or of your profit and loss, excuse me, okay. but put a separate line item that says, you know, grant and what kind of grant it was, you know, sure. that way when they're going through and looking at it, they know exactly what you received and it's not in with the rest of your income. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the nice thing about having it done that way is that if you do, if there are requirements for how you spend that money, right. they can then compare directly and see if you've used it all the way that it was intended to, or if they need additional reports from you or additional receipts, anything like that. Then we get into the fun of the PPP loan, which has <laughs> been just a blast. Let me tell you what. Uh -huh. um, they, like I said, the state and federal government are actually, they're, they're treating it differently. The okay. federal government, if you receive forgiveness on the loan, basically, and this is all subject to change, take it with a grain of salt, but they are not requiring that you declare it as income. And actually, sometimes the expenses are not being disallowed. Ooh. So depending on how it all shakes out, and it really truly is different for everybody, <laughs> <laughs> you can actually get a great advantage out of having gotten a PPP loan. So with that, if you have gotten your PPP loan forgiven, right, a lot of people will have that on their balance sheet as a liability because until it's forgiven is technically money that you owe. Okay. Once it is for sure forgiven and you have all of your documentation on that, 
Um, again, the CPAs that I've spoken to have recommended moving it to your profit and loss as, as income, however that happens, right? Again, as a separate line item so that they're able to track all of that and to confirm that you have used the expenses against it correctly. Okay. Now, this is all also based on whether or not your business experienced hardship during the time. True. So they're looking at whether or not your gross receipts are lower than they were in prior years. Now, for the state of California, again, we just have to shake things up and make things different. Um, over there, they are having you essentially, if you do get your loan forgiven, you essentially declare it as income, but then you would get to take um, the expenses against it as well, right? So it technically washes out. Okay. Interesting. Now, we talked about PPP loan and grants. We have to report them as income. Mm -hmm. Now, when I get a, a nice size loan from SBA, which had very good terms, 30 years, very good interest rate, I definitely jumped on that. And it was very helpful. And I used it for the business. Uh, but I'm not taking that, let's say it was, let's say it was $50,000. I'm not going to put that in income because that's a loan long-term debt is that correct that is correct so if you have a loan that's correct you do not declare that money as income that money stays as a long-term liability on your balance sheet yep and you record your payments against it and you don't get to the the payments go against the loan you don't get to write off payments that you're making against a loan because you right. don't declare the money as income when it comes in right. however any interest that you're paying on that loan can be written off. There you go. So yeah. it balances out in the long run, as far as IRS is concerned, that's a long-term debt and you're paying that back. And if Correct. you take the option and you should take the option of taking the interest, that's an expense that you can take off your bottom line. Yes, absolutely. <sighs> and interest is another commonly missed expense for a lot of people. For example, Right. If you have interest on a credit card that you use solely for your business and business purposes, you can write off that interest as an expense. Same with car loans. The, you saying that, I was like, yeah, that would never have popped in my head. Yeah. Yes. Now, again, it has to be for a business credit card or on business okay. purchases. But yes, you can declare the interest as okay. an expense. And that helps your bottom line. So it absolutely does. Yeah. Every little All bit those helps. Little teeny tiny nuggets of info we just didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. Well, it sounds like, and I think it's wise, and I've learned it myself. Uh, when you get busy enough and you have these problems, that is a good sign because you're doing something. Uh, but you do want to do whatever you can to, let's say, uh, our good friend Graham would say, hey, spend 500 to save $2,000, <laughs> yes. which is not a bad deal. So it's highly advisable that we do look for assistance and professional help, such as yourself, Holly. Are you available to be reached out to take on new clients, or is it one of those things that you're still cherry picking? I am absolutely available to help answer questions and, you know, Disclaimer there, I'm not a CPA, I'm not an enrolled agent, I can't file your taxes for you, but I can help right. you with your books. And right. if you're in the market for CPAs, I happen to know just a few. They're certainly not 50% of the contacts in my phone or anything. <laughs> <laughs> How do people get a hold of you? Is it email? Yes, through email. Um, my email is holly at accruelmistress.com. 
Accruelmistress.com. Yes, accrual as in accrual accounting. Everybody get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> that's excellent. That's well, funny. That's well, can you give us some other tips that we may not have covered or if we are getting started with QuickBooks maybe? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I would definitely recommend if you're just getting started with a file, you know, take the time, sit down, look at the Schedule C with it, make sure that your expense accounts that you're categorizing will line up with things that you'll be able to write off and ensure that you're keeping your documentation. Now, one of the really nice things about a software like QuickBooks, and I, I don't happen to know if Zero or Wave have these capabilities, they may, mm -hmm. um, but that that whole thing you were saying, April, about snapping a picture of your receipt and having that documentation, there are actually features in QuickBooks that allow you to take advantage of that. So let's say you take a picture of your receipt, you can actually email it to your QuickBooks file and have it be attached to the transaction, which means oh. that you don't necessarily have to keep the paper trail. And I'm terrible I at keeping the papers. Like I can't tell you how many little receipts are wedged in the seat, like in the seat of my car. So I'm like, meh, meh, you know, I just toss them to the oh. side. My dog step on them. I'm like, I won't find the receipt ever. Nope. I have so many that have coffee stains on them from my cup holder. Yep. Same thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're great wipe ups. They're great wipe ups. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I'm on QuickBooks right now, you know, so I'm over here like multi looking while we're doing, I've got my computer open and you know, they're doing 50% off for three months. So, you know, any of these little programs that you want to sign up for, I'm like, this is what it seems yeah. like a good integration. And if you're trying to better your business and what you're going to do in this new year, because we've all been annihilated, I want to say, we've been hit hard in so many ways mm -hmm. that maybe this mm -hmm. year we can be nicer to ourselves. And this is one way we can do that is yes, the pre-prep. Pre <laughs> <laughs> and one thing to keep in mind is that mm -hmm. if you do have an accounting professional already, be it a bookkeeper or an EA or a CPA, Oftentimes they can get wholesale discounts on oh. the accounting software, mm -hmm. right? So, um, you know, the, that promo that you were just talking yeah. about where it's 50% off for the first three months, Yeah. oftentimes your CPA or bookkeeper will be able to get it at a wholesale and it'll be 50% off for the life of the product. Oh, wow. Ooh, yeah. Wow, that's excellent. That's good. So yeah. that's one thing that you can do. Now, of course, it means you kind of tether yourself to a bookkeeper. That's what my thought was. I was like, what if we have commitment issues? Like, that <laughs> might not work out. Absolutely. And if you have commitment issues, don't get me wrong. Like, just don't do it. It's not worth it at the end that's of the day. Yeah, but, so like you, like, I'm like, well, I'll give you a phone call every now and then. Be like, so how are you doing? Can you help me out? Okay, cool. I'll see you next time. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, and that's absolutely something that you could work out. You know, I happen, I have the same thing with several clients where they call me more on a quarterly basis as a check-in or whatever, but I do still offer them the wholesale and I'll, you know, I'll bill them for a whole year at a time for whatever the wholesale price of the software is going to be. And then it's like, great, see you next year or or not, you know, which is good for you because you've already done your work. You're like, thank it's, you. Exactly. It's great for me. And, right. and then, okay. but also do know with that, that if at any point you decide that you don't want to work with that accounting professional anymore, all is not lost. They can surrender the file to you and it's all fine. Right. We can all probably answer ourselves, but January is always the busiest, isn't it? For CPAs, accountants and, and uh, bookkeepers, isn't it? You know, um, actually, January tends to be the calm before the storm, if we're being completely honest, at least okay. for CPAs and tax preparers. Now, 
they're, they are doing a lot. Don't get me wrong. They're sending right. out organizers and engagement letters and getting all that done. Mm-hmm. But the actual tax prep part usually isn't able to even start until early February because oh. as of right now, all of our lawmakers are still deciding how they want everything to shake out. <laughs> Interesting. So in fact, usually, and I believe this year, they've decided that the first day you can file your tax return won't be until January 24th, right? When was it normally? When was it before? It varies, to be totally oh, okay. honest with you. It varies. And, and sometimes, and you'll see this occur, and um, you know, John and I have actually discussed this, where you could buy a software and you could go and do your taxes first thing, and this has happened. They make a change to it in you know, late February or early March. You and, have to update. And you have to update, oh. yeah. <laughs> now, the nice thing is, you know, so, so here's the thing. Procrastinators are going to hear that and go, see, I'm saving myself time, <laughs> right? And sometimes you are. Odds on, usually the changes are not so significant that it would be a, a really big issue, but there are sometimes changes that do occur. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So another another um, advocacy moment here, if you do purchase your software, if you purchase you know, TurboTax or whatever, and it asks you when you go in, if you want to update, always click that you want to update it because they <laughs> will roll out patches and fixes for any changes that have occurred to the code. Oh, that's fascinating. Interesting, because today on CNN, there was a report from IRS that they're still suffering from a very large backlog from last year's taxes. So uh, we need to anticipate that if we do have money coming back to us from returns, uh, that we may have to wait a little longer. So it's just one of those things you have to be patient about. It's absolutely possible. And with the fact that last year they extended the tax deadline, the actual tax deadline for the second time in a row, Right. Um, that's definitely caused a bit of a hiccup, I would say. Indeed. Well, Holly, thank you so much. This is such a pleasure. We got to have you back because uh, there's lots of fun stories yeah. here. Uh, and I love and- the name of your business, by the way. Oh, well, thank you so <laughs> much. And I checked out your website. Like, I, it, it, yeah, awesome. Well, and credit where credit is due. My fiance came up with the name. He has dad jokes covered. He is on it. I love it. So if anybody needs a creative business name, and he'll do it for fun, honestly. Oh, really? (laughs) That's awesome. It's funny because Holly was here working in the studio. And when I first met her, we realized we're buddies all of a sudden because we're both Disney pin collectors. Uh Uh-oh. Uh, yep. oh. And the next oh, day she yes. was here for the project. She brought some pins. We traded pins. It was awesome. We did. We did trade pins. In fact, I can't even turn the camera around, but I actually have the people mover pins that you gave me right oh, up you, here on my bulletin board because those are so cool. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I'm so. glad that you two found each other then. <laughs> <laughs> I told him, don't buy me any pins. Yes. Oh my goodness. No, this sucks. <laughs> I, I don't even want to talk about that. If I put the pins on the balance sheet, my business would suddenly be worth way more. Well, you see these people trading pins and it's their business now. So I figured, oh, well, there's an expense they could write off, I guess. So. There you go. Right. Everybody's got their something. They do. They do. Yep. Well, thank you, Holly. Yes. Thank, yes, you, Holly. thank you, guys. It's been Great. a lot of fun. Awesome. April, always a pleasure. Likewise. And we should have more podcast coming up soon because we got some really cool stuff this year so 2022 is going to be a great year i just feel it i hope we can just cross our fingers thanks guys thanks for listening talk to you soon thank you 